Hello, people of the way. Uh, if you have your Bible, please open up to Deuteronomy chapter 7. We continue through our study through the Old Testament, the last uh, uh, the last book of the Pentateuch, the five books of Moses being the Torah. And here we are in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 1. Now remember, Moses is giving his final discourse to Israel before they cross over to the promised land. He says this in verse 1. When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess. Now, remember here we see that it's just the, the words that he uses here, that the Lord your God brings you. It's all the Lord's doing. It's so powerful when, you know, remember in, in this final discourse to the people of Israel, what's happening is he's urging, urging strongly for Israel Hey, remember, 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 don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. And it's so powerful because that's what's it's so beautiful when you read the word of God and you see the prophets and not just the prophets. I mean, of course, the apostles, too, but not just the apostles. And I, I don't want to say the average Joe and the average Jane, but just the everyday people, everyday people, some that honor the Lord and some that bring dishonor to the Lord. And you, you can't control that in anybody. But what's so powerful is that with these strong urgings, the majority, like Moses, urging the people, hey, don't forget the Lord. Remember, remember, remember. But it doesn't, it applies to everybody, but not everybody holds on to him. Not everybody holds on to the Lord. You see, you're going to see the majority let go in the course of time. I mean, these are beautiful passages and I'm not advocating the law when I say that. Just listen to our study through Galatians. Uh, uh, but uh, 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 it, 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 not everybody holds on to the Lord. And we see it today. Not everybody holds on to the Lord. People can be on fire for the Lord one day, one week, one year, several years. But will it endure to our last dying breath? You can't control that in anybody. It's only in your heart of hearts. Only in your heart of hearts, you and the Lord. And so Moses says here in verse 1, When the, the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, these are, he says, seven nations. Now, we just counted the seven nations, but these are foreign Foreign, in opposition to Israel, in opposition to the things of the Lord. Seven nations greater and mightier than you. Now, there's no denial of their uh, numbers. There's no desile, de de uh, uh, denial of their strength. No denial of their might. Speaking of these seven nations, the Hittites, Girgashites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. There's no denial of their strength and might. But at the same time, don't forget the Lord. Don't forget the Lord. He says, and when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. Now, a lot of times people say, well, you see, I mean, you talk to the mockers of these last days or you talk to the atheists and, you know, sometimes even the Satanists. And they're like, well, you see, Israel is like this and Israel, they, they do all these things wrong. And, you know, I hate Israel and I hate the Jews. That's what they say. Now, remember, this is all in accordance to the Antichrist spirit. Hatred of Jews, all in accordance with Satan and the Antichrist spirit. But I have to say this, 
observe Israel after the flesh. You see, observe Israel after the flesh. Because we're going to look at some passages as new covenant believers. Open up your Bible to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. And we see this in Luke 8 verse 1. Dr. Luke records this in verse 1. He says, Now it came to pass afterward that he, speaking of Jesus, that he went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. But it was it didn't end there. The twelve were with him. Praise be to the Lord. And in verse 2, certain women, beautiful, beautiful women, sisters in the Lord. I can't wait to meet these beautiful sisters. Of course, you know... The the brothers too, but you know, these beautiful, beautiful sisters in verse 2. And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons. You see how we count the seven in our study in Deuteronomy chapter 7. But then we also see here seven demons. Now we see when you hear us say, observe Israel after the flesh. Well, observe Mary in accordance to the Spirit and the victories that were given to her by the Lord through these casting out of seven demons. You see? So when we look at these passages in the law, remember, just as we studied on Sunday, it just so happens that we study this on Sunday. We stand firmly, firmly, firmly planted on the rock of salvation, the fulfillment of the law, Jesus Christ, the one end of the uh, of, of the spectrum and the other end of the spectrum not being the law. Remember, the law is sandwiched in between the promise to Abraham. You see? And we stand firmly on the fulfillment of the law, the rock of salvation, speaking of Jesus Christ. And we have our lens, our, our, our uh, 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 scope. And we look back as new covenant believers and we observe Israel after the flesh, the, the, the uh, seven nations. But understanding that in Christ, the fulfillment of the law and abiding in him, not going, not being seduced to go to the law, but having this understanding that the law is a tutor to bring those under the law to Jesus Christ, just as we studied on Sunday. And you see, you know, in Deuteronomy 7, observe Israel after the flesh, observe Mary according to the spirit here in chapter 8, verse 2 of Luke Observe Mary in accordance to the Spirit, out of whom seven demons had come out of her. And in verse 3, And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward. A steward. Now, a little side note here. You see that, you know, that, that Joanna uh, uh, was the wife of Chusa, a steward of Herod. Now, Herod was Antichrist, not the Antichrist, but against Jesus Christ. And yet, you see, Chusa, Joanne's husband, was Joanna's husband, was like a, a steward. And it's so powerful because as New Covenant believers, you know, we have to understand that we, we are in the world, but we're not of the world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. It's very, very, very important to understand this. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. Now, I'm not trying to say, you know, go work for the Antichrist. I'm not trying to say that at all. But to have this understanding that Yes, we are in this world, but we're just passing by. We're just passing through. This place is not our home. We're sojourners 
Just as you see Israel, you know, with all the, the tent pieces and the tabernacle pieces and all these articles of worship and articles of uh, uh, tabernacle, articles of the tabernacle, articles of their own tents and going through the wilderness, going through the wilderness. And then you see the passage of the promised land passing into the promised land. But the same applies to you and me. We're just sojourners. We're passing by. And remember when the Lord says that, you know, to, to tabernacle with us, that, that Jesus Christ to tabernacle with us or to, to be one with us. And how it translates is to tabernacle with us, how he is with us. You see, we abide in him. He abides in us. It's very deep, deep. It's deeper than deep. And at the same time, we have this understanding about Mary in accordance to the Spirit and Susanna in verse 3 and many others who provided for him and their substance, you see, and provided for Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry. These beautiful women, you see, and they provided, you know, the things that were necessary for the earthly ministry of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And yet never forget that you see Mary called Magdalene and the victory that she has in Jesus Christ or that she had in Jesus Christ. I can't wait to meet her. And the seven demons came out of her. Now, you know, we see the seven nations in Deuteronomy. Here we see seven demons. Now, turn with me to Matthew chapter 12. And in Matthew 12, we see something interesting here. Jesus Christ speaks and he gives this example of how demons work in the demonic realm. He says this in Matthew 12, verse 43, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man. So you see, there's victory. The unclean spirit comes out of the man and you figure, wow, this is so beautiful. But at the same time, let's look and see what happens spiritually, not in accordance to the flesh. If you have carnal eyes, you won't understand these things. And I pray you don't have carnal eyes. And if you do have carnal eyes, I pray that the Lord change your eyes so you can see. You have eyes to see and ears to hear. In verse 43, in Matthew 12, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, this is what happens now. He goes out of a man. Now observe what happens. He, speaking of the spirit, the evil spirit, goes through dry places, seeking rest and finds none. You see? Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. You see? So even in the demonic realm, you know, it's like figuring out, you know, where do I go? You know, I was cast out of this guy. Now where do I go? And this evil spirit says, and when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. You see? And then something else happens. You think, okay, so the fight's done. It's all done. You know, there's victory. The unclean spirit came out, and he came back, and everything's put in order. Okay, we have victory now. No. No. There's victory, but then there's something else that happens. Look, in verse 45, the evil spirit. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits you see he calls for backup he calls for backup seven other spirits more wicked than himself and they enter and dwell there you see and it's very interesting because what happens here in verse 44 when he says he finds it empty swept and put in order how it translates is is like a, to be on vacation 
You know, like, you know, if you go out of town for a little bit, you might put your house in order and go out of town. So when you come back, you know, you're not coming back to a pigsty. You're coming back. It's still, it's kind of, you know, in, in, in order. Similar concept. But then understand that once there is order established that this demon that has been uh, 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 cast out calls for reinforcements. Calls for reinforcements of other demons that are worse. You see? And then look what happens. And then they come in and dwell and enter there. You see? Enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. You see? And so you see this guy, human being, demonic influence, demonic possession. And then all of a sudden, the demon comes out. And you figure for the guy, wow, praise the Lord. Look at what the Lord has done. And absolutely, look at what the Lord has done. But then at the same time, for that human, for that guy, Something needs to happen. If that guy stays a baby, like we studied in 1 Corinthians, if that guy stays a spiritual baby, it's going to be very, very, very dangerous for him. Because not when the one demon comes back, but when the seven, equipped with the seven others, so a total of eight now, when they come back, he bet that, that human being, he better be equipped to fight. During this time period, say the demons come back in, Eight months, 12 months, uh, two years. Maybe they come back in two months. Now, during that time period, that human being, he better be training up. He better be rolling around on the mat with a teacher who will show him and teach him how to fight. You see? Spiritual warfare. Spiritually, not carnally. I'm speaking very deeply spiritually because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal in nature. They're entirely supernatural. So that human being, he better be under the a godly influencer, a teacher, to teach him how to fight. Just like we see the, the, the transition from uh, the, the Corinthian saints from being babies to being more mature. Now, how does that happen? I mean, we, we, we've studied that and we've, we've looked at every nook and cranny of how that happens and the danger of not maturing in Christ. So now, say this particular individual, human being, has been training up uh, a godly pastor such as a Paul has been pouring into him. And now he understands. So now those eight demons are going to come back. You know, the original one with seven others worse than him. So it's not just a fight. So you can fight that first demon. It's you know, other others that are worse than that original demon, you see? So it's not like, you know, you're fighting a guy that's, I mean, if you're like a wrestler or a boxer or MMA, you know, they have weight classes. It's not, say you're lightweight. It's not like you're fighting of like eight lightweights. You're fighting, you know, welterweights, heavyweights. You're fighting you're the original guy who's, you know, lightweight like you are. But then you're lightweight, but then you also have to fight the welterweights, the middleweights, the heavyweights. You got to fight some heavy hitters. You see? Now, if you're lightweight, you better be equipped. You better, better, better be equipped to understand. Not just understand, but to fight. You see? Because they're all around you. They're all around you. There's the original lightweight. But then you have the welter, the middle, and then the heavy. You see? A total of eight. And they're surrounding you. You see? 
you better be a fighter. You see? And in order to be a fighter, you better be trained, equipped, and understand. Because look what happens here in verse 45. That the demons that are more wicked than himself, the original demon, they enter and dwell there. So now they come back and they enter the man. Now they enter this man, this poor soul. They enter this guy. And now look what happens. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. You see? So say, for example, he was under the demonic influence and he had, he was uh, uh, on meth, you know? And so now, you know, and then he was, the demon came out of him and he's clean and he's, you know, on fire for the Lord, loves the Lord. He's thankful for the Lord, everything. But now if that individual human being does not roll around on the mat and learn how to fight straight up hand-to-hand combat, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and the very ugly, and the very tough. If that doesn't happen, now look what happens. The eight demons the lightweight, middleweight, welter, heavy, they come back and they enter. And the guy's not just a meth head. Now he's on crack, on coke, on sex, gambler, you know, the whole nine yards, alcohol, all kinds of disgusting things, but it's all demonic. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. You see? So shall it be, so shall it also be with this wicked generation. And so we look at Deuteronomy 7 and we see all these, you know, the, the uh, uh, Hittites and the Hivites and Jebusites. And we see these and that's Israel according to the flesh. But you and me were standing on the rock as new covenant believers. And we look back. And we see these things, and yes, we apply them to our lives to fight, just like we read in Deuteronomy 7. But since we know as New Covenant believers that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal in nature, but entirely supernatural and spiritual, we understand as New Covenant believers that the fight that we engage in must be spiritually. Just like Mary and not like, I mean, not like this guy in, in Matthew 12, because this guy in Matthew 12 didn't have a teacher. This guy in Matthew 12 had a defunct pastor or a defunct elder. This guy in Matthew 12, in this passage, verse 43 through 45, he was not equipped, not trained. Now look at him. You see? That's why it's very, very, very dangerous to be a baby it's beautiful you know a brand a newborn in christ you know born again in christ if that happened to you today or within the last two weeks praise be to the lord you're a babe in christ now i have to say this if you're listening and you're not a believer in jesus christ hit pause and listen to the message how to commit your life to jesus christ and you do exactly that you commit your life to jesus christ you're born again and then you come back and you start listening you resume the message you see now, once you're born again, praise be to the Lord. But you must grow. You must mature. Because this fight, it's all around us. And we don't have to go out and seek the fight. Now, in the last days, Satan, in these last days, Satan knows his time is short. And so he amps up the fight. You know what happens? The fight comes to us. 
The fight comes to us right to your doorstep. The fight comes right to your doorstep. You see, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Are are we going to lose the fight? Are we going to chicken out? No, we fight. And I don't mean to say chicken out like, you know, that has negative connotations to it. And sometimes, you know, you say that, you know, you hurt my little feelers. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelers. But understand that this fight, it's very real. It's very ugly. And Satan doesn't want to beat you up. He doesn't want to just, you know, give you a, 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 a cut on, on, on your on, on your chin. He doesn't want to give you a little cut over the eye. He doesn't want to give you, you know, a, a bruise. He wants to kill you. He wants you dead. You see, he wants to kill you. And you see, it's, now it's deep. It'd be one thing if it was just, you know, he was going to beat you up. But no, he wants you dead. And he doesn't just want you dead. That's one thing. He wants you to burn in hell for all eternity with him. You see? Who's going to let that happen? Now, the church today, you could say a lot of people are going to let that happen. They might not want to let it happen, but it's going to happen because they're babies. Or their teacher is uh, lukewarm himself. Or their teacher is not uh, biblically qualified. You see, we need the Pauls, we need the Timothys, we need the Tituses. You see, that's what's necessary. The Priscilla, the Achillas, to teach, to pour into, to train people how to fight, men and women, how to fight. Not teach to, you know, uh, be chickens, to be scaredy cats, not to be warriors. For Jesus Christ, in accordance to the Spirit. And it's very important to grasp this understanding of us, you and me, in the Spirit. Because we fight in the Spirit. You see? It's not carnal. When we see passages like this, and De- go back to Deuteronomy 7 now. But when we see passages like this in Deuteronomy 7, we think, oh yeah, you know, we're going to go out and conquer and we're going to go beat up these people. Or we're going to establish our, you know, our, our church over here, our church over here. And, you know, all in the name of Jesus Christ. It, it, it has that mentality like the uh, crusade mentality, which is entirely unbiblical. We have to remember we're new covenant believers, a people of the way, a remnant of these last days. And look at what we see here in Deuteronomy chapter 7. Verse 1, at the end of verse 1, these seven nations, greater and mightier than you. It's not to diminish them and say, oh yeah, they're just little pipsqueak nations. No. Greater and mightier than you. In verse 2, and when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, I mean, just, just that alone, I mean, Say we're in the congregation that Moses is speaking to, and Moses is an old man now. I mean, he walks slow. He has his staff with them, and he walks. People have to help him on each side. You know, you see Joshua there helping him out, Caleb helping him out, helping him out. And then he sits on a rock, you know, and he just starts to teach. And we're listening, and we're like, wow, seven nations greater than us, man. You know, we look at each other, we're like, oh, I've heard about the Hittites, I've heard about the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And wow, those, these guys are tough. These guys are mighty and they're great in number. And then we look at Moses, little old Moses sitting on a stone. 
He doesn't say that, you know, the Lord might deliver you. He says, when? When the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. And then we look at each other and we're like, what? Yeah, these, these are tough guys. The Canaanites, the Hivites, the Perizzites. These are tough cookies. And here you got old Moses. And he's talking like they're already ours. Like it's already our land. He's, he's talking like, well, like it's a piece of cake. And you know what? It is a piece of cake. It is a piece of cake. But it requires not just faith. It requires obedience. Thus fulfilling what Brother James teaches us. Faith without works. And I'm not talking about faith and, you know, we got to go get 100 converts this month. We got to get 100 converts. And then if we get 100 converts this month, then we can, you know, go to heaven. And if we miss the mark, if we don't get 100 converts, you know, I, I, I only got 10. Okay, now I'm going to burn in hell. No, that's, that's works-based salvation. But obedience, you see, just as Jesus Christ says, if you love me, follow me. If you love me, obey me. And in, in that regard, it's pretty simple. If you love me, follow me. You love Jesus, follow him. You see? Oh, I love Jesus. I love Jesus too. Oh, by the way, let's go do some crack. I love Jesus. I love Jesus. Come on, let's go to the strip club. It doesn't work that way. You might have that, you know, you believe in Jesus Christ, but even the demons believe. But they don't obey him. You see? They obey their father, the devil, Satan. It's very important for you and me. We're in the same boat. Yes, we believe, but don't forget that yes, we obey. You see? And that's part of our walk with Christ. We learn to do it in the span of a lifetime. But, you know, for the last day's generation, I meant uh, the rubber is going to hit the road pretty soon for the last day's generation, of whom I think we are of that generation. I can make a strong case. A very, very strong case that the final seven years of world history, final seven years of world history, picture that for a moment. Final seven, I mean, you, you might be 15 years old and you remember your 10th birthday, you remember your 8th birthday. Well, in less time as that, in less time, the final seven years of world history where everything just comes to a close. You see? In the world as we know it, I should say. And then beginning the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, we're at this very cusp of this final seven years as potentially happening. And potentially, potentially this year. This recording, this message, it's from 2001. Potentially happening in 2001. The converging of all these prophecies that are happening for such a time as this. The last day's generation. You see? And what about when we pass over into the promised land? And I speak of paradise. You see? Very important. We study these passages from the lens of the new covenant. From the rock of the new covenant. You and me abiding in Jesus Christ. And so, look what happens here in verse 2. 
And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them. Now you read this and you're like, well, wait a second. I thought we're supposed to be a merciful people. Absolutely. Absolutely. But since we read these passages as new covenant believers, we see Israel according to the flesh. What about you and me according to the spirit? Walking not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. We understand, you know, we see the uh, uh, Amalekites as a type of sin. We see the Hittites and Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites as types of sin, strongholds of the enemy, strongholds of Satan. And yes, the Lord does give us victory. But when he gives us victory, we better be rolling around on the mat. We better learn hand-to-hand combat. We better learn how to fight. We better learn how to be warriors. We better learn how to be deadly and dangerous, spiritually speaking, metaphysically. Because in the spirit realm, those demons are going to come back. And we have to be ready for it. You see? You say, wait a second, so, you know, I was never demonically possessed, so I don't have to worry about it. Well, you do have to worry about it. There's demonic oppression. People that open themselves up through the occult, things of the occult, they doorways into the demonic realm, you know, and hit after hit after hit after hit after hit after hit. Either you can be victorious or they can be victorious. You see? Oh, but my victory is in Jesus Christ and I have eternal salvation and once saved, always saved. I did the altar call when I was 10 years old and I'm good to go. No, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Now, turn with me really quick to Luke chapter 8. I know I go there a lot and we look at it a lot, but we're going to look at it again in Luke chapter 8. <clears throat> we see this. <clears throat> In Luke chapter 8, verse 13, But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while, and in time of temptation fall away. Now, I don't say, you know, the, you know, the oh, once saved, always saved. You did the altar call when you were 10 years old. I don't want to come off like, you know, you're not saved. If you're abiding in Jesus Christ, praise be to the Lord. You're saved. But if you did the altar call when you were 10 years old and you're a crackhead now, you did the altar call and, you know, you're an alcoholic, you do the sex and the pornography and the drugs and, you know, whatever, the things of the occult. No, you. What, what has happened is that you open the door for all these things demonic, all these things evil. And in this battlefield, there are two parties in the bad, two factions of the battlefield. There's good and there's evil. And if you're on the good side and you want victory, you have to obey the Lord. You have to obey the Lord, you see? And if you don't obey the Lord and you're disobedient to the Lord, well, it's like instead of having, you know, 20 foot, 20 foot wall, 20 foot thick walls to, 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 you know, someone could throw a rock, someone could throw an arrow and it's like, boom, it's like impenetrable. But if you have like a piece of paper as your armor, no, it it doesn't work that way. You see, and that's what happens with these short-term believers in verse 13. They hear the word and they receive the word with joy, except they have no root. You know why they have no root? 
because no one has grown them. No one has taught them to grow and to mature. They've been babies for too long. And they believe for a while. They might believe for five months, five years. They might believe for 30 years. But if there's no growth, it's very dangerous. And in time of temptation, fall away. You see, that's what's going to happen in the last days. It's called the great apostasy. The great falling away, a defection away from truth. You see, that's what's going to happen. And it is happening. But not so with the remnant of whom I teach. Now, we see these... Uh, when when uh, uh, Moses says to the people in Deuteronomy 7, verse 2, and he says, You shall make no covenant with them, no show, show mercy with them. Now, turn with me to Romans 13. And in Romans 13, we see this. Romans 13, verse 13. Let us walk properly. This is Paul, Pastor Paul, speaking to the saints in Rome, the writing to the saints in Rome. Let us walk properly. As in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, nor not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's you and me putting on Jesus Christ as sinking into a garment. It just so happens we studied that on Sunday. As sinking into a garment, we put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. You see? No provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust, just like we read in Deuteronomy 7. Making no provision for the flesh. Just like the Lord says in Deuteronomy 7, verse 2, when he says, you shall make no covenant with them, no show mercy to them. You see? Oh, but the the Gergeshite, you know, he's my friend. He's a really nice guy. And, you know, he keeps asking me to, to, to worship the Baals and the Ashtoreths. And I say no, but, you know, maybe, maybe next week I'm going to go with him to the bed, to the temple of Baal. You see? And the Hivites, she's a really nice lady, very harmless, you know. I go to her house, have a cup of tea, and she's very nice, little old lady, very harmless. And then, you know, before we have our tea, she worships the Baals and the Asterisks, and she wants me to join her. I said no before, but I think this time I'm going to be nice. I'm going to be merciful and show her kindness. So I think I'm going to worship the Baals and the Asterisks, you see, and Molech. You know, let's, let's throw in a little Molech there. It doesn't work that way. What you're doing is you're making room for these. Now, this is observe Israel after the flesh. Observe you and me. Observe the saints today in accordance to the Spirit. And that's what's happening. Oh, it's just a little pornography. No big deal. Oh, just a little crack. Just a little meth. No biggie. Little coke. Do my lines, you know. Cooking spoons. No big deal. Oh, it's just, just a little whiskey. Come on. Just a little Ouija board, no big deal. Little white lie, no big deal, no biggie. Little white lie, you see? And the whole time what's happening in this spiritual war is that people make provision for the flesh. Provision for the flesh. And Brother Paul, Pastor Paul, warrior, teacher, warrior, teaching others how to be warriors. Says, hey, don't do that. Don't make provision for the flesh. You see? To fulfill its lust. Make no provision. For... It's not just a little pornography. 
It's not just a little crack. It's not just a little math. It's not just a little Ouija board. It's not just a little white lie. Because you're in fulfilling the lust of the flesh. What is happening? You see? The spirit gets weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker. The flesh gets stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And the enemy moves closer to victory. Why? Because our, of our abdication of responsibility. And you say, wait a second, that sounds like works. No, it's obedience. The abdication, I say responsibility, but I'll say it like this. The abdication of obedience. You see? And faith without works, what does Brother James say? It's dead. It's dead. Remember, there is a class of people who will stand before the... And I say class because I specifically say class for a reason. There is a class of people who will stand before the Lord and say, Lord, they call him Lord. We did all these things in your name. We cast out demons in your name. And in the, with the eyes, they were very effective. The demons came out. But did they come out because of them? No, they came out because of the name of Jesus Christ. You see? Because there's power in the name of Jesus Christ. And the demons know. Lord, we did all these things in your name. And you know what he's going to say? Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. That's what he's going to say. And when he says that, does that mean that, you know, oh, he, he has, uh, uh, he predestined them to hell? No, not at all. Because on this side of eternity, such individuals made their choice to disobey. They were workers of iniquity. They were doers of iniquity. Instead of being doers of the word, they were doers of iniquity, walking in accordance to their own way, walking in accordance to that of the flesh. But not so with the remnant who walk according to the Spirit. Wise, wise to the times, redeeming the times. You see? And as Moses says here to the people in chapter 7, verse 2 of Deuteronomy, you shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them. You see? Now you read this. Outside, I mean, if, if you read Deuteronomy, desiring to be under the law, which I don't do, listen to our study through Galatians, don't do, that's very, very dangerous. Something is happening. The, 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 the mind is, instead of being transformed into the image of Christ, instead of being transformed into that of Christ, there's no transformation. It's the flesh. You see, and that's not us. That's not you. Because when you abide in Jesus Christ and you abide in him and he in you, it's, it's of the spirit. Now the promises are effectuated when we abide in him and he in us. The promises to Abraham are effectuated. You see, not through the law. Remember, the law is the additive. It just so happens that we study that on Sunday. The law is the additive, not Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment. You see? And so when you see Moses here saying, hey, make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them, we read this and you're like, well, wait a second. Does that mean that, you know, I, 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 I shouldn't, you know, hang out with this guy? I shouldn't hang out with this gal? I shouldn't go over here? I shouldn't. It could be. 
It could be. Because, you know, you would say to a, a, a young Christian, a baby Christian, hey, don't do this, don't do that, you know, don't go over here, don't go over there. Because if they're babies, are they equipped to understand? Are they equipped to engage in this fight? But as they grow, as they mature, now look what happens. Look at how the Lord brought Paul to these places, very, very dangerous places, very, very harmful and dangerous places, and the Lord protected him. But at the same time, in the midst of these dangerous places, I mean, listen to our study through the book of Acts. In the midst of these dangerous places, Paul was dangerous himself, spiritually. You see, he would, he was, it was customary to him to go into the synagogue. You see, and in the synagogues were the teachers of the law. And he would prove, not just convince a couple people or try to prove. No, he would straight up prove through the law that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, you see? And he was deadly. Spiritually speaking, he was deadly, you see? He wasn't a scaredy cat. Paul wasn't a scaredy cat. You know, the scaredy cat wouldn't go into the synagogue, but Paul did. Not that it was a prideful thing, like, oh, I'm gonna prove how tough I am. I'm gonna go to the synagogue. You know why? Because he loved his countrymen, Israel. He loved them and he wanted them to come to Jesus Christ, you see? And in order for that to happen, there has to be a letting go of the law. You see? Because in the law is blindness. Now let's continue our study here. In verse 3, chapter 7, Deuteronomy. Nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughter to their son, nor take, nor take their daughter uh, for your son. You see, intermarriage. Intermarriage where foreign gods now become their gods. You see, you have a son, you have a daughter, they grow up and, you know, all of a sudden they get married to a Catholic. They get married to a Buddhist. They get married to what a, a Satanist. What's going to happen? All of a sudden, your son, your daughter, they're going to be lost. They're not going to be abiding in Jesus Christ anymore. They're going to be abiding into Mary, abiding into Buddha. You see, not abiding in anything. They're going to be Satanists. They're going to be agnostics. You see, you say, wait a second, you're too hardcore. You're too hardcore. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? There's no other way to live. I've had it both ways. I've been lukewarm and I've been hot and it is better to be hot. You see, be hardcore. Oh, you're too hardcore. I don't like that. That's too much for me. Why? Why? When we know that these days are evil and it's going to amp up and get more evil. And you don't want to be hardcore. You want to be lukewarm. No, the fight is coming to us. The fight is already here. And you want to be a scaredy cat and run? No, don't be a scaredy cat. Why? What's the fear? What's the fear? Oh, but I might die. They might kill me. To live is Christ. To die is gain. Now, I'm not trying to minimize life but let's look at life in proper perspective as new covenant believers you see when we study passages like this it helps us put these truths into proper perspective you see and we observe israel after the flesh and the law that moses is given the law that god has given through moses but do you not hear the law? 
And I just echo the words of Paul. Do you not hear the law? You see? Now look what happens in verse 4. The sons and daughters, now they get married to these, you know, the, uh, the these people who were Amorites, Hittites, Girgashites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Now they get married, and in verse 4, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. You see? These are things that we see. I mean, do, do we really need to expound on this? Because these are things that we see today. A guy gets a new girlfriend, a girl gets a new boyfriend, you know, Oh, he's so cute. He's so cute. Oh, she's so cute. She's so cute. No big deal. She worships Mary. You know, no big deal. No big deal that he's Buddhist. Oh, look, she's so cute. She's so cute. Oh, but she's a Satanist. You see, no big deal. It's a big deal. It's a huge deal. What's going to happen? You get married. Now you're married to a Satanist. Now you're married. You know, baby girl's married to a Satanist. You know, the son is married to uh, a Catholic. You see? Now baby girl's going to start leaving Christ. No longer abiding in Jesus Christ. Now is a short-term believer having fallen away. Now what? You see? She's going to get pregnant, have kids. He's like, oh, they're married though. They're married. It's okay. Okay. It's good that there's they're married, but there's there's more to the story. There's there's more things there. It's not just, you know, marriage for the sake of marriage. It's marriage, but then, you know, in Christ, not being unequally yoked. And what God is saying to the people here through Moses is, hey, don't be unequally yoked. Because baby girl, now she's going to marry the Girgashite. Now she's going to start worshiping the Asterisk, the Molex, the Baals, all, the, all things satanic in whatever way, shape, or form that he presents himself. Remember, he presents himself as an angel of light. Oh, but the Baal spoke to me. Oh, but the Asterisk really spoke to my heart. You're too emotional. You're following after emotions. You see? Now, emotions are beautiful but give them to the Lord. You see? The God of the Bible, the Jesus of the Bible. Don't give them to, you know, the uh, the God of Mormonism, the Jesus of the Book of Mormon. That's another Jesus. You see? That's another Jesus. The Jesus of uh, 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 the Bible uh, written by Watchtower. That's another Jesus. You see? The J-Dubs, Jehovah's Witness. That's another Jesus. I'm talking about the Jesus of the Bible. Genesis to Revelation, the word became flesh. And we abide in him. And him in you. You see? We have these Old Testament examples of, you know, don't let your, your little ones marry into the Gergesites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites. Don't let them intermarry because they're going to forget about me. They're going to forget about the Lord. Now they're going to start worshiping the Baals, the asterisk. Now what? Oh, my, I got my beautiful grandbaby. Okay. If your beautiful grandbaby is outside of Christ, the beautiful grandbaby is going to burn in hell. You see? Going to grow up. You see? And that's, that's what happens in the church today. Saints think about today without remembering eternity. Grandparents have such a beautiful ministry opportunity 
to share Jesus Christ to the, not just the next generation. I mean, the next generation, sometimes they're crazy, but I'm talking about the, the, the next generation after them, grandbabies. And in some cases, great grandbabies, beautiful grandparents, you know, 80 years old, 90 years old. Yeah, you know, I'll watch the kids. You know, you go out and do your date night. You go out and do your vacation, do whatever. And I'll watch the grandbabies. I'll watch my great grandbabies. You know what you do, grandparents? 80, 90 years old. You pour in Jesus Christ. You see? You teach Jesus Christ. When the kids are at, when the grandbabies and great grandbabies are with their parents, their parents are absolutely disgusting influence on their children. But then their grandparents come in. Now the grandparents, oh yeah, you know, you go out and do your vacation. That's okay. I've told you about Jesus Christ and you you want to, you know, abandon him and not, you know, I've raised you, I've trained you in Jesus Christ, but you want to do your crack. That's okay. I mean, not that that's okay, but I mean, you know, you, 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 you do you, you know, I'm going to pray for you and I've tried and I'm still going to pray for you. I'm not going to stop, but you know, you, you go ahead and do your vacation. Then you have the grandbabies, great grandbabies. And you teach, you train the grandbabies how to fight. You see? And then all of a sudden, you know, the parents are going to come back from their, you know, disgusting vacation. They had a great time, but because they're no longer in Christ, they're probably doing disgusting things, you know, all kinds of wickedness. And then they come back and say, hey, you know, thank you for watching the kids. They go home. They're having a meal. And the grandbaby starts to speak Jesus Christ to them. Hey, mom, hey, dad, let's pray for our meal. You see? Hey, mom, hey, dad, I don't want to watch this show anymore. It's not a good influence on me. I don't want to burn in hell. So, you know, if you want to burn in hell, that's between you and the Lord. But I don't want to burn in hell. You see? The beautiful ministry of grandparents, great-grandparents. And in some cases, great-great-grandparents. Not a lot of those guys around. A lot of times what happens with this young generation of so-called pastors, I'm doing my air quotes. I had a... Uh, a wannabe pastor tell me, oh yeah, I went to this church of old people and I told them their church was dead. And he was like, an, had a smile on his face about it. You know, he smiled. Oh yeah, I told them that their church is dead because they have no young people there, just a bunch of old people. Disgusting excuse of a man. Disgusting, disgusting. Ugh. Beautiful, beautiful. Moses was an old man when the Lord called him. You see, old people, my beautiful brothers and sisters in Christ, if you're old, you know, you're like 40 and above. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, you know, maybe you're three digits. I don't know. No, the Lord can do amazing things with you. Incredible. Look at what he did with Moses. And Moses was an old man. Can you imagine? Moses, an old man. And the Lord says, hey, Moses, you know. Come over, you know, Moses is an old man and Moses and the Lord says, Moses, I'm going to have a conversation with you. I'm like, okay, Lord, you know, where's it going to be? Is it going to be like, you know, five feet away, 10 feet away? And the Lord says, no, you see that mountain over there? You see the top of that mountain? Not the base of the mountain, but you see the top? Come on, we're going to have a conversation over there. You see? And what does Moses do in obedience? Okay, Lord. And he goes, up. it took him a while. Beautiful Joshua helping him up. You see? The old people, you have powerful ministries. Oh, but it's not an official church title. Forget, the church is in judgment. 
The church is in judgment. You know, the well, judgment comes first in the house of God. You get these young beatnik pastors, you know, they wear the tight jeans and they wear the, you know, the tight shirt and they have the highlights in their hair and they talk like they're rock stars. Hey, come on, let's pray. They try to do their cool voice. Oh, you know, God bless you, everybody. They do their rock star voice. Fools. Dummies. It's of this class, and I say class on purpose. It's of this class of so-called pastors where the guy told me, oh, yeah, I talked to these old people. This rock star voice. I I went to this old church, a bunch of old people, and I said, your church is dead. Disgusting. Disgusting. You see? And old people have this beautiful ministry opportunity to, you know, the next generation, that's one thing. You know, adult kids, but they're babies. And in some cases, those babies, they're babies. You know, your great-grandparents. So powerful. The kids want to go out and do their disgusting things in the world. You've done, you know, you've just, you can teach a horse how to eat, but then the horse has to eat. I don't know how that saying goes, but you know, you teach the horse how to drink and then the horse has to drink himself, something like that. But you get my drift. And the kids don't do that. Okay. Next generation or their generation after them, you know, the great grandchildren and you pour into them. You see? And it's just one more avenue by which the Lord can work on the foolish generation that has left him and that has abandoned him. You see? Because you can pour into your kids and, you know, kids, you know, I know I, I'll keep telling this till I'm blue in the face. I want you to abide in Christ. I want you to believe in Jesus Christ and they want to go out and live their lives. Okay. You're going to pray for them. Praise the Lord. Pray for them. Intercede for them. But then now they got their grandkids and their grandkids are little Christian, little believers now. You know, they're believers in Jesus Christ. And the parents say, hey, come on, son. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to here drink this alcohol. I'm going to give you your first, you're 10 years old. I'm going to give you your first bottle of alcohol. And the kid says, no, thanks, pops. I don't want to burn in hell. Who told you that? What do you, who told you you're going to burn in hell? Well, grandpa told me about what happens with alcohol. That you drink alcohol more and more and more and finally you're going to get liver disease. You're going to be puking in the toilet and, you know, I don't want to live that lifestyle. That sounds like wickedness to me, pops. I don't want to be wicked. I want to be a vessel of Jesus Christ. Hey, pops, let me ask you a question. How come you don't want to be a vessel of Jesus Christ? You see, the kids are surrounded. Old people, you can surround your kids. A little barrier around your kids so that they can come to Jesus Christ. See, the, the Lord can do anything with you. I mean, you might be at the end of life. You might live like another five years, another two years, another couple months. Praise be to the Lord. You're like first in line to heaven, first in line into paradise. But you can still be in ministry. Look at Moses right here in Deuteronomy 7. He's like about ready to die. An old man, he's about ready to die. And look what he's saying to this next generation. And when he's done saying what he has to say, he dies. You see? Praise be to the Lord. The Lord knows the number of your days. My beautiful old brother, my beautiful old sister. Let no one despise your seniorness, you know, your seniorhood, you know, your oldness. Let no one despise us. As Paul told Timothy, let no one despise your youth. Well, let no one despise your oldness. And so we continue our study here in verse 
4. For they will turn, turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods, so the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. Now, remember that this this uh, this this generation that this is being spoken to, they have a first-hand account of seeing the Lord at work in terms of chastisement and judgment and even wrath. They have a first-hand account, you see? And this is what happens when, you know, when Moses is saying this, you know, don't let your, your kids marry these into the Canaanites, the Amorites, because look what can happen. Worshipping the Baal instead of worshipping the Lord. You say, wait a second, well, there's no Canaanites today. Well, an argument can be made against that, which the Lord will settle the family dispute, Jesus Christ himself. But at the same time, Spiritually, spiritually, that's what can happen. And we see it. You don't need me to tell you this. We've seen it. Someone's grown up in the church. They get married and now they're baptizing their children into Mary, Rome. You see, now they're raising their kids like little ruffians because, oh, they married an atheist. They married the agnostic. You see. Understand when we see verse 4, so the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. You say, whoa, this is, you know, people tell me, oh, I don't like to read the Old Testament. God is too vengeful. This is, remember, the Lord is reactionary. The Lord is reactionary. He responds to obedience and he responds to disobedience. People say, I don't like to read the Old Testament. He's too mean. He's too mean. No, he's not. He's, he never changes. He's the same. We're just spoiled under this age of grace. We're spoiled. But even under this age of grace, God's wrath falls on individuals. Read Romans 1. Listen to our study through Romans 1. We see this in verse 5. But thus you shall deal with them. You shall destroy their altars and break down their sacred pillars and cut down their wooden images and burn their carved images with fire. You see, instead of them being victorious upon Israel. No, Israel. You be victorious, you see. But us, according to the Spirit. This is Israel according to the flesh. Us, according to the Spirit. Just like the, the guy who was possessed, the demon came out. He used to be a meth head. And be, he was untrained. He didn't learn how to fight. He didn't roll around on the mat. He didn't wasn't equipped. He was a baby. And he stayed a baby. Now he's a crackhead. He's a meth head. He's an alcoholic. He does the sex. He does the alcohol. He does the drugs. He does the occult. All these things more wicked than the first. The last state of that man is worse. Now, instead of giving demons that victory, no, it's the other way around. Be like Mary. You see? Be like Mary from Luke 8. You see? Seven demons came out of her. They never went back into her. You see? Oh, it's not captured how they tried, but you know they came a knocking. You see, and she was a fighter, a warrior. You see, not like the other guy in Matthew twelve. You see, I love that so much because a lot of times men, you know, guys, they think like, oh yeah, I'm a tough guy, I'm a tough guy. I see more toughness in females. You see, spiritually speaking. I see more toughness in females. Guys, I'm not impressed. Not that, you know, I'm the arbiter to me, you know, you got to impress me. No, but I'm, I just call it like it, tell it like it is. You see? I see more toughness. You know who I see the most toughness with? 
the old ladies, <laughs> age 70 and above, age 70 and above, those are like frontline warriors, you know, frontline warriors, fighters, because they've been around the block. They've taken punches and they've punched back. They've taken hits and they hit back. I've seen the largest concentration of mighty warriors among old ladies. Next after that would be old men. Next after that would be younger females. You see? At the very bottom of the barrel, you know, the ones who are like in the rear with the gear, you know, those are like the men, you know? I said boys, you know? They look like men. They got the muscles. They got the hairy chest. They got all this. But they're little boys, spiritually speaking. You see? The front lines, old ladies. Wrinkles, white hair, everything. Beautiful, beautiful warriors. And so we continue in our study here in verse 5. But thus you shall deal with them. You shall destroy their altars and break down their sacred pillars and cut down their wooden images and burn their, their carved images with fire. For you, you are a holy people. You see, it translates as set apart, consecrated. You are a holy people. These are things that we seem to forget in accordance to the Spirit. Israel, beautiful passage here in chapter 7. But in the course of time, they forget. They forget. Beautiful, applicationally beautiful promises unto us. A people set apart. Consecrated unto the Lord. But in the course of time, you know what happens? We forget. You see? Satan's been about the same tricks. He knows how to make men fall. He knows how to make women fall. And yet, what remains here is what is written in verse 6. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure. I love this so much. Translates as a peculiar treasure and jewel. You see? A, a, a peculiar treasure and jewel. You see? It's so powerful. It's so beautiful. You know, the word Jew. You know, sometimes the word Jew has a lot of, you know, people say it in derogatory. But I like the word jewel. You know why? Because the word Jew is in there. J-E-W. Jew. In jewel. You know what else is in there? E-L. God. You see, a treasure is beautiful treasure. We see the word jewel. J-E-W. And it's like, okay, that's beautiful. But then you also have E-L. Jewel. Jewel. People say Jew like it's derogatory. Oh, those Jews. Oh, look at that Jew. Look at... Stupid. That's the Antichrist spirit. Those are satanic people under the influence of Satan and spirit of Antichrist. Even in the church, I'll say. Look at uh, John Piper and his Gospel Coalition Replacement Theology. You see? Antichrist spirit. Unbiblical. No. The Jews are beautiful. Promises of God that are absolutely for you. If you're a Jew and you're listening, you're Jewish. These promises of God, absolutely for you. But this passage in the law is a shadow of the things to come. The law points to Jesus Christ. Moses wrote about Jesus Christ. Listen to our study through Galatians. If you're Jewish, 
Listen to our study through Galatians and see Jesus Christ. And Matthew too. And so we see this in verse 6. He says, a special treasure above all the peoples of the face on the face of the earth. You see, Satan hates this. Satan hates this. He hates Jews because he knows what the Bible says. He says that the Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. Satan hates this. And so he wants to kill you. That's what the Antichrist will do. He will attempt to kill Jews and he will kill Jews. And then the Lord will provide protection, a, 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 a refuge. And then the Antichrist is going to come against Christians. You see? Satan hates these passages. And because he hates these passages, he hates the Jews. And he hates Christians. And satanic people under the influence of Satan, under the influence of the Antichrist spirit, they hate Jews. They hate Christians. You say, wait a second, John Piper's a Christian. That's another spirit, you see. Listen to our study through First and Second Corinthians, you'll understand. That's another spirit. That's another spirit. A different gospel, a different spirit, a different Jesus. Oh, but wait a second, I got Gospel Coalition books at home. I, I, I teach my kids the Gospel Coalition. Okay, repent and burn them. Cut it out. Don't do it. You see? You say, wait a second, that's too hardcore. There's no other way to live. I've been lukewarm and I've been white hot. And I tell you the truth from experience, it's much better to be white hot. You see? We're living in very, very, very dangerous times. Deception abounds. At every nook and cranny, every corner that you turn in your life, no matter where you are, Satan will be there. Not to beat you up. Satan will be there to kill you. You see? And if he can't get you, he'll go to the next generation. He'll go around you. He'll go to, you know, whoever's there in your vicinity. You see? You got to fight. Don't be in the rear with the gear. Be on the front lines with the mature front lines. And that's where we fight. And it's how we fight. You see? Satanic people, people under the influence of Antichrist and the spirit of Antichrist, they hate Jews. They hate Israel. You see? And they hate Christians. In verse 7, The Lord did not set His love on you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any of these people, for you were the least of all peoples. You see, the compassion of our Lord, the compassion of God. You see, when Jesus Christ says the least of these, it's not a new concept to the Lord. In Matthew 25, verse 40, when he says the least of these, no, it's the same Lord. He never changes. Jesus Christ saying yesterday, today, and forevermore, I never change, says the Lord. He himself showed compassion on the least of these. In verse 8, but because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath. Now, remember our study in Galatians 3. It just so happens that we studied this on Sunday. This law of Moses is in between two aspects of the covenant. Remember, we had the ham sandwich, you know, two pieces of bread and the ham. No, it, the covenant to Abraham and the fulfillment of the covenant by promise and through the seed singular. What do we have? Jesus Christ. You see? Two ends of the spectrum. Abraham, Jesus. 
two ends of the spectrum. The law is the additive, is a tutor, a schoolmaster to bring people to Christ. You see? He would keep the oath. This promise still remains. Listen to our study to Galatians 3. He says, which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Pharaoh as a type of Satan, you see. The strongholds that Pharaoh had against Israel as a type of Satan, Egypt, Pharaoh as a type of Satan and the strongholds that Satan has on people spiritually, you see. The sex, the drugs, the alcohol, the pornography, the all kinds of things, disgusting things of the flesh. Yes, but that's the area that Satan, that's his realm. That's how he attacks. Now, remember, as we studied on Sunday, if you love the Lord and you fear the Lord and you're hardcore, well, Satan will still attempt to attack you. He will still come to attack you. And he uses the Bible just as he did with Jesus Christ. He uses the Bible. And he likes the Old Testament. He uses the Torah. He likes to work on the Torah, you know, and use the Torah to attract saints. And some saints, they buy into it. They take the bait. Hook, line, and sinker, they take the bait. That's where you have the Hebrew Roots Movement. You see? And some others, but the biggie is the Hebrew Roots Movement. In verse 9, therefore, no, not wonder, not wonder, oh, I think this is, no, no. Therefore, know that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations. Now, if you're Calvinist or Reformed theory, listen, pay attention, with those who love Him and keep His commandments, you see? If you're Calvinist or Reformed theory, it's just a theory. Listen to our study through Romans 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11. You'll understand. You'll learn about predestination, biblical predestination. You'll learn. Now, I say this because I love you. But repent and leave Calvinism. Repent and leave Reformed theory. The Reformed theory people are the ones who are saying you can take the mark of the beast and still be saved. Listen to our study. It's called Do Not Take the Mark of the Beast. You see, oh, but God has mercy. He has mercy on who he has. Uh, he's, he has mercy on whom he has mercy. Absolutely. But he, there are biblical qualifiers to his mercy, as is written here in verse 9. The faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. You see, obedience. It's not just the Lord arbitrarily saying, okay, I'll be merciful to this guy and I'll be unmerciful to this guy. And, you know, I think I'm going to predestine this guy to hell and I'll take this other guy and I'll predestine him to heaven. I'll take this gal over here. You know what? She'll go to heaven. Yep. And then this other gal. No, she's going to burn in hell. I'm going to predestine. She has no chance. I'm going to predestine her to hell. That's another gospel. That's another God. Another spirit. The real God, the real Jesus, with his real Holy Spirit, says that he has mercy for a thousand generations. He keeps his covenant. He's a faithful God, sovereign. But the qualifier is this. The condition is this. With those who love him and keep his commandments. You see? 
Calvinist and Reformed theory. Pay attention, listen to this. I'm not advocating the law when he says to keep his commandments. That's that's Moses. That's Moses. And Moses wrote about Jesus Christ. What does Jesus say? If you love me, follow me. You see? Obedience unto Jesus Christ, the new covenant, the fulfillment of the law. In verse 10, and repays, and he repays those who hate him to their face. I love that. It's up front. It's not like a secret, like, okay, you do this, okay, now in secret, I'm gonna do it. The, the Lord does it to your face, you see? And he repays those who hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack with him, with him who hates him and will repay him to his face. And yet, I'll say, and yet, our Lord, the sovereign God who is faithful, he remains long-suffering not willing that any should perish because he loves his creation. You see? And he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. You see? That's how much you love. If you're listening and you ignored my first admonition to repent and receive Jesus Christ, cut it out. Don't do that. God loves you. He's not willing that you should perish. And so he made a way he made a way. You know what that way is? Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through him, Jesus Christ. And if that's you, and you still haven't hit pause to receive Jesus Christ and commit your life to Jesus Christ, do it right now. Hit pause. Listen to the message how to commit your life to Jesus Christ. Let's see? Verse 11. Therefore, you shall keep the commandment, the statutes, and the judgment which I command you today to observe them. Now, remember, this is Horeb, and that mountain is death. It's the law. You see? Listen to our study through Galatians. Introduction to Galatians. Galatians 1, Galatians 2, Galatians 3. Get yourself caught up, and then on Sunday, you'll be ready to listen to our message and continuation of our study through Galatians. And in verse 12, we see this. Then it shall come to pass, because you listen to these judgments and keep them and do them, that the Lord your God will keep you with the covenant and the mercy which he swore to your fathers. We see a doorway in the Old Testament, in the law, in the Torah. We see this door by flesh using the law. This is before Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of the law. Now that we are, we have Jesus Christ today, you know, 2,000 years ago, give or take a couple years, we have this door by faith. You see? Thus fulfilling what the minor prophets write. That all Israel will be saved in the prophets and the minor prophets, major prophets too, but in the prophets and the minor prophets, it, all Israel will be saved. And when you read these passages, there's the inclusion of Gentile nations, which are grafted in. Listen to our study through Romans 11, thus fulfilling what is written in Romans 11. Everything lines up. Old Testament, Torah to the prophets, Torah to the minor prophets, Torah to the gospel to the epistles to the new testament everything lines up perfectly no wondering well i think this is like this and i think this and here and ding, ding. no everything lines up perfectly perfect match genesis to revelation perfect match but you need eyes to see you need ears to hear look what happens here in verse 13 
13. And he will love you and bless you and multiply or increase you. Now, I don't want to speak carnally, but I'll say this carnally. Who wouldn't want this? <laughs> I mean, I say it carnally, but I mean it spiritually. And I also say it spiritually with a little carnal implication. I mean, if you're listening and you're not a believer and you haven't, you still haven't heard my prior urging to receive Jesus Christ and become a believer and a Christian, a born-again believer. Who wouldn't want verse 13? He will love you and bless you and multiply you. Who wouldn't want that? Who doesn't want that? These are beautiful promises. But remember that this is all a byproduct of loving him and following him. As Jesus Christ says, if you love me, follow me. It's pretty easy. It's pretty easy. You know what makes it difficult? Satan, you see, Satan and what he uses to get a foothold in people's lives. Now, as new covenant believers that are maturing and growing, we understand not to give the enemy a foothold. So now what happens? Now, if he can't get you, he'll, he can't get you with the sex, the drugs, you're, you know, you're too mature. He, he tries to lure you with sex and the prostitutes and the pornography. He tries to lure you with the crack and the lines and the spoons. He tries to, you know, oh, this is the finest meth from Chiapas, Mexico. You're not taking the bait. He tries to lure you and he, he understands that he can't get you that way because you're not walking according to the flesh. You're walking according to the spirit. Now he'll use the Torah. He'll, 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 he'll use passages like what we just read to say, okay, you love the Lord. Now abide in the law. But we've rolled around on the mat. We've studied Galatians. We know what the law is. The law is a tutor. I don't want to abide in a tutor. The law is a tutor. I don't want to abide in a tutor. You see, I want to abide in Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of the law. Then Satan knows, man, I really can't get this guy. I really can't get this gal. So you know what he'll do? He'll go for those around you. He'll go for those around you, your family. That's what he'll do. He, he plays dirty. He plays dirty. And you know, you have your beautiful little children. He wants to kill you, but he realizes he can't do that. Because you're mature, you're a fighter, you're a warrior, you're not in the rear with the gear, you're on the front lines with the old ladies. Beautiful, beautiful old warrior ladies and the old warrior guys. You're on the front lines with these beautiful saints. And Satan can't get you. So who go after your little ones? Okay, I think I'm going to kill baby girl now. I think I'm going to kill this, you know, this kid, this kid. I'm going to go after this kid. You see? Or you have a... A uh, 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 husband who's on fire for the Lord, and you know he's on the front. He's not in the rear. He's in the front lines. Now Satan says, "You know what? I think I'm going to kill the wife now. I think I'm going to kill the kids." That's what Satan does, and vice versa. Your female wife on fire for the Lord. You're on the front lines with all the old people. You got a husband. Ah, Satan says, "I think I'm going to kill the husband now." I can't lure the wife with the sex, the drugs, the alcohol. But you know what? I'm going to lure the husband. She's too hardcore. I can't get her. I tried to get her with the sex, the drugs, the occult. And you know, I can't get her. And so now I'm going to go to the husband. Piece of cake. 
You see? That's why we read the Bible. And you know what the, the, the Bible says? You know, wives, submit to your husband. Yes. But ultimately, submit to the better husband, which is Jesus Christ. You see, your husband goes off into crazy town. He gets lured by Satan and Satan does all these disgusting things to him and he buys into it hook, line and sinker. You hold on to your husband for dear life because you can save your husband. And then you hold on to your kids with your other hand and you can save your husband and your kids. You see, it's so powerful. And it's kind of sad too because you see their wife, instead of being on the front lines and fighting the battle, like, you know, engaging in a, in a, offensive posture going on offense now the wife has to it's a defensive posture fighting in her own home but also fulfilling what our lord jesus christ says that under one roof you're gonna have people who love the lord and then you're also gonna have people who love satan you see a man's enemies enemies will be those of his own household so all scripture will be fulfilled and so look what happens here in verse 13. And he will love you and bless you and multiply you. He will also bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your land, your grain and your new wine and your oil, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flock in the land of which he swore to your fathers to give you. <clears throat> you shall be blessed in verse 14 above all peoples. There shall not be a male or female barren among you or among your livestock. And the Lord will take away from you all sickness and will afflict you with none of the terrible diseases of Egypt, which you have known, but will lay them on all those who hate you. You see, Egypt's ruin to everyone. I mean, what we read in Exodus and you see the ruin of Egypt, the ruin of Egypt. Now that is applied to everybody else. Now that it is applied to the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. You see, now it applies to them, their ruin. But understand, it's not just, okay, Israel, now you just frolic over here. You just gallop over here and look, all this is for you. And that's it. That's the end of the bargain. No, something needs to happen. Something needs to happen. You know what that is? Obedience. Keeping of the commandments. You see? Verse 12 says, It shall come to pass because you listen to the judgments and keep and do them. You see? Obedience is... Obedience effectuates these promises. The law. I'm not advocating the law. But obedience effectuates. And that's what's so powerful about this in our study. Because we learn these things. We learn what is pleasing to the Lord. We learn what is unpleasing to the Lord. What displeases Him. And we respond accordingly. You see? In that regard, it's kind of a piece of cake. Because the only thing that needs to happen is obedience. You see? You say, wow, that's easy. Well, not so much. Hold the phone. There's this easy aspect of it. But does that happen? No, because this is Israel according to the flesh. But there's something deeper, which is according to the spirit. These are things which are revealed centuries later. When love came down in the form of a child. 
You and me, we're spoiled today because we have the full counsel of the word of God. We are a people who understand these things. You see, we are a people who have this understanding. You see, a Gentile people grafted into Israel. And their blindness isn't going to be forever. They're blind. Remember, Paul, before his name changed as Saul, he wasn't blind forever. There was blindness that came upon him, but it wasn't forever. And blindness came before circumcision. You see? Blindness before circumcision. You say, wait a second, Paul was Jew. He was already circumcised. Yeah, according to the flesh. You see? You and me? Who do we have? The helper, Pericletus, the Holy Spirit. In verse 16, Also you shall destroy all the peoples whom the Lord your God delivers over to you. Your eyes shall have no pity on them. You see, now, these are, these are dangerous aspects of the law. If we are a people who tries to seek salvation through the law, we're going to read passages like this. Your eyes, your eyes shall have no pity on them. We'll read passages like this and we'll lose compassion, sympathy, and empathy. No, we are to be a, symp- a, a, a sympathizing people and uh, empathy and uh, 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 compassion. We're to have these things. These are, these are beautiful attributes. These are lovely attributes and fruit of the Spirit, absolutely. But understand, in this fruit of the Spirit, we're not called to be stupid. Because in compassion, we can provide help for another person. We can provide the aid for another person. But when we are not stupid, you know, sometimes people are reaping what they have sown and we don't get sucked into their dumb decisions. You see, we're called to be loving. We're called to be gracious. We're called to be merciful. But never, ever, ever, ever will you read the Bible where you are called to be stupid. No, we are called to be wise. You see? How the Lord can use compassion. And when you're directed by the Lord, He knows that you're compassionate. And the Lord will say, you know what? I know you're compassionate, but no, don't do that. I know you're compassionate, but don't, don't go over here. Don't go over there. Look at Ananias. The Lord knew he was compassionate. And then he says, okay, you know, now I want you to take this guy, the guy who was, you know, killing Christians and imprisoning them and throwing them in jail. And, you know, he had this Stephen stoned. Bring him to your house. You see? So Ananias had compassion. But then he had compassion and being, being fully wise and seeking the Lord. And then the Lord says, no. Yeah, he, that was Saul. You're right. That was Saul. But who he is now, I'm working on him, Ananias. I'm working on him. I'm changing him. You see? And I'm teaching him. I'm sure he's going to be my instrument for the Gentiles. Everything we do must be in obedience to the Lord. Oh, I am obeying the Lord. I'm obeying the Lord. I'm obeying Jesus Christ. Where are you reading about Jesus Christ? The Book of Mormon. Nope. Different Jesus. You see? I'm obeying Jesus Christ. I'm in obedience to Jesus Christ. What Bible are you reading? This one. Open it up. Look at the, you know, the copyright, all these things. Watchtower Society. Nope. Different Jesus. You see? 
the Jesus Christ according to the Bible. Old Testament and New Testament, the Word became flesh. Modern translations. I get modern translations. I mean, I myself, you know, I've read the, the New Living Translation. I haven't touched the message. I've read parts of the message. I don't like it. Not a lot, probably like in total, maybe 20 verses in total in my life in the message, but I don't like the message. It's I don't even consider it a Bible. And when I read it, I just, you know, a guy handed it to me and I just wanted to verify and compare with the real Bible. I don't like the message. New New Living Translation. Uh, my first Bible that I read cover to cover was a comic book. You know, that's my comic book Bible because I like I didn't understand, you know, and then I read NLT, NIV, uh, ESV, New King James, King James and the uh, Amplified. We've settled on the New King James Version. I don't like Alexandrian texts. That's me personally. I don't like Alexandrian texts. Alexand Alexandrian versions and be uh, post, you know, after that, I don't like. So like NIV, NLT, ESV. Those are too modern for me. I, you know, I kind of, the Textus Receptus, you know, I like versions that are closely aligned to the Hebrew, Aramaic, uh, Septuagint, uh, uh, clo uh, 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 closer to uh, Greek. And even still, I mean, you might hear from time to time, we, we pinpoint errors of those, uh, of the, you know, King James or New King James or things that are before the uh, uh, Alexandrian versions. So, you know, as close as you can get to the original text, that's where you want. That's like the sweet spot. That's where you want to be. And if you're NIV, if, if you're NLT, I'm not saying that, you know, oh, you're going to burn in hell or anything, but just understand that there are deviations in those Bibles, deviations from a lot of the original manuscripts and understand too i mean if you have like an niv and you know look at the copyright date because the modern ones they homogenize them way too much to the point where i would question if they're they're really bibles because what's referred to as in male context is turned into unisex you know a lot of the gay agenda what's happening in this you know this agenda what's happening is that the the it's being changed it's being altered so you see male references that are now being turned into unisex when the original manuscripts absolutely have male connotations, male references. That's why in these last days, because you have a lot of apostates in the church, you have these apostates, they say, oh yeah, it's okay for females to be pastors. It's okay for females to be ordained as pastors, ministers, and elders. Oh yeah, it's, it's okay for that to happen. No, it's not okay. What you see happening is that you see these churches they adhere to an Alex post-Alexandrian text, such as the NIV, NLT, ESV, and they're making excuses for their own carnal nations, carnal uh, notions and carnal desires and carnal passions, and they're following Satan. It's not the blueprints. Remember, it's, it's, the, it's the wrong form. We have to follow the right formula, you see? And that's what's happening. And so we see... Passages such as this, and in, in, in what we see in uh, 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 in verse sixteen, you shall have no pity on them, nor shall you serve their gods. Now, it, it's absolutely beautiful to have compassion, but have compassion with wisdom, led by the Spirit of our Lord and led by the Lord Himself. You see, 
And at the same time, we see how, how you know, uh, 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 he says, nor shall you serve their gods because that's what can happen. Oh, I think, uh, you know, spiritually speaking, you know, when we, we, we see you know, uh, 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 the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Hittites, well, supernaturally speaking, as new covenant believers, that's what happens with uh, the sins. When you see the Amalekites as a type of sin, the Canaanites as a type of sin, the Hittites, the Hivites, all as types of sin, and that's what happens. We make excuses. Oh, it's just a little pornography. No big deal. Oh, no, I don't watch pornography, but it's just a little sex scene in a movie. You see, they show the nudity. They show the nakedness in a movie. No big deal. It's a huge deal. It's a big deal. Because you know what is happening? You're being desensitized. Desensitized. That's what is happening. Give no quarter. Give no quarter. Be wise. Don't be stupid. Be wise. Oh, it's just a little alcohol. No big deal. It's my 21st birthday, so I'm going to go get drunk tonight. Stupid. Give no quarter. You see? Oh, I'm going to go hang out with my best friend. You know, he's got the finest meth from Chiapas, Mexico. We're just going to get baked tonight. No, give no quarter. You know, don't be easy for Satan. Don't be easy for Satan. We studied that on Sunday. And so we see this. At the end of verse 16, he says, You shall have no pity on them, nor shall you serve their gods, for that will be a snare to you. You see, people make these excuses. Oh, it's just a little crack. No big deal. It's just a little pornography. No big deal. Just a little nudity. I'm watching this movie. Look, it's like this awesome movie. And it's got the, the booms over here. The special effects over here. It's so awesome over here. But there's a little nudity. No big deal. It's a big deal. Don't be stupid. Don't be trapped. In verse 17. If you should say in your heart, these nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? You shall not be afraid of them. Just like, just like the Lord told the previous generation, do not be afraid. He says to the next generation, you shall not be afraid of them, but you shall remember well, not just remember, you shall remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. Now, if I were there, I would say, hey, Moses, you might want to throw this in there. <laughs> because, you know, remember the fear of your fathers. Remember the fear that they had when the Lord told them to go into Canaan. And because of their fear, an 11-day journey became 40 years, remember. But Moses already covered that in, you know, first couple chapters of Deuteronomy. I love these passages because Moses is telling the kids, telling the next generation, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. Remember, remember, remember. He says here in verse 18, you shall remember, but he doesn't just say that, remember well. You shall remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. Remember, he defeated Egypt, the might of Egypt, Pharaoh who was called God on earth. And what did the real God do to him? Where's Egypt? You see, where's Pharaoh? In this regard, we see how the past can hurt. There are painful aspects to everybody's past, our BC days before Christ. Painful aspects to everybody's walk with Christ and everybody's uh, 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 mo learning moments of disobedience when an 11-day journey becomes 40 years, supernaturally speaking. 
But we can look back on these moments. Yes, they're painful. In some cases, really painful. And what the Lord brought you out of when you were in Egypt, when you were in bondage under Pharaoh as a type of Satan, when you were in bondage as, uh, under Satan. And what the Lord did to bring you out of that. And you can remember the handiwork of our Lord and His hand, His grace, His mercy, and His love. You see? These are things that we know, we remember. As new covenant believers, not being seduced into the law, but standing firmly on the rock with our binoculars. And we look back to the law and understand what the law shows us, the law as a tutor. And so we see in verse 19, the great trials which your eyes saw. So this generation, they're older now, but 40 years ago, some of them might have been little kids. The great trials which your eyes saw, the signs and the wonders, the mighty hand and outstretched arm by which the Lord your God brought you out. So shall the Lord your God do to all the peoples of whom you are afraid. Beautiful, beautiful. And you know what's sad? I don't mean to rain on anybody's parade. But Israel forgets. Israel forgets. After Deuteronomy, we get Joshua. And we see the trials, what happens. It's like, wait a second, people are starting to forget, and they do forget. And then finally, Joshua, we're going to get to the end of Joshua. And Joshua, you know, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. The people say, you know, we're with you, Joshua. It's the same for us too. As for us and our houses, we're with you. We're, you know, we're with the Lord. You turn the page, judges. What happened? They forgot. They forget. What about saints today? We forget. Listen to our study through 1 Corinthians. They forgot. Even 2 Corinthians. Who is this Mo Who is this Paul guy with his noodle arms? Remember? Our, our study through 2 Corinthians. The preacher guy comes in preaching another Jesus with another spirit. A different gospel. Oh, don't listen to Paul. Don't listen to Paul. He's just such a weakling. He's got his little noodle arms. He's just a little pipsqueak. Don't listen to Paul. Listen to me. You see? Paul says, if I or an angel, if we, myself included, or an angel, present another Jesus whom you have not received, not you be anathema, not you be anathema. He says, let us be anathema. And he includes himself. You see? That's what's so powerful about The pastor, the elder, the teacher, you're on the outside. You're on the outside of the camp where it's lonely. Absolutely, it is lonely. But praise be to the Lord because you're there to protect. You're there to feed. You're there to tend. But when the wolf comes, you kill the wolf. Supernaturally speaking, metaphysically, but you kill the wolf. If you're a teacher, pastor, elder, maybe not so much elder because you have other tasks. Pastor, teacher. It's a lonely walk. Very lonely. But praise be to the Lord because you also have a beautiful cloud. Intimacy. 
Just like John the Baptist, you know, teacher, what do we do? You're our teacher. What do we do? We have you. We have Jesus Christ. What does John the Baptist say? He says, you guys, I love you, but you go to Jesus Christ. He must increase and I must decrease. You see? Lonely John the Baptist. And then he gets killed, gets his head cut off. You see, by the whorish daughter of Herod. You see? If you're a pastor, if you're a teacher, get very comfortable with loneliness. And teach and pour and die. And so we see this in verse 19. Or verse 20. Moreover, the Lord your God will send the hornet among them until those who are left who hide themselves from you are destroyed. You see, so the Lord fights. The Lord fights and we fight too. I mean, Israel, they, they're going to fight. They fought already, but they're going to fight more. And absolutely the Lord fights, but we fight too. Israel fights too. You know what's so powerful is that, you know, we forget this aspect that, you know, the Lord fights. There's this aspect of spiritual warfare, which we're learning through our study through the New Testament and even the Old Testament. But we forget. In the last day's church, remember the four categories of the last day's church? It's either false, apostate, entering apostasy, or true. And the true is going to get a lot smaller. You see, it's going to get a lot smaller, a remnant of the last days. And even among the saints today, we forget. And what's so powerful about the events of the last days is that the Lord makes himself known. Just like he did in Exodus. You see, just like he did in Exodus. And when Moses, Moses had the call of God, the burning bush. And he had the call of God, go into Egypt, go into Egypt. What do I do, Lord? What do I do? What do I do? Who do I say? Send me. What do I do? And the Lord gave him instruction. He says, don't go to all the, the young people. Don't go to the, the hipsters. Don't go to the younger generation. He says, go to the old people. Go to the old people. Because the old people, they're going to remember. You see? They're going to remember and they're going to know. But the young people... I'm gonna make my I'm gonna make myself known to everybody, but the young people, I'm really gonna make myself known. You see, and what happened when 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 Moses was there and he goes to Pharaoh the first time and he says, Thus saith the Lord, let my people go. And then all of a sudden the Israel was put to harder labors. And then they blamed Moses. They said, Moses, how dare you, how dare you? You see, that's the young, the younger generation. A little harder at hearing. A little harder to see for the younger generation. You see? And the Lord made himself known. It's going to happen again in the last days. The Lord making himself known for all the world to see. And then all of a sudden we see this in verse 21. You shall not be terrified of them for the Lord your God, the, the great and awesome God is among you. And the Lord your God will drive out these nations before you. Little by little, interesting what you see here. The Lord your God will drive out those nations before you little by little. You will be unable to destroy them at once. 
lest the beasts of the field become too numerous for you or lest the brutes of the field become too numerous for you. I love this because we see God fighting and then we see Israel fights too. But then for you and me today, this same concept out, the Lord fights, but then we fight too. And I love how he says in verse 21, little by little, just like we see the Lord, he says, okay, Israel, I'm going to take care of Egypt. And the Lord takes care of Egypt. But then it's the Canaanites and the Lord says, okay, Israel, that's your fight. You do the Canaanites. I'll do Israel or I'll do Egypt. Now, Israel, you do Canaan. See, the expectation for warfare, the expectation of combat, spiritually speaking, because remember, we're New Covenant believers. The expectation to fight the good fight. And I love this little by little. You will be unable to destroy them at once because remember what is written in verse one, these seven nations greater and mightier than you. You see full acknowledgement of yes, these are powerful peoples, full acknowledgement. And the Lord will fight little by little. You will be unable to destroy them at once. You see, but yet. There's still the expectation, Israel, you got to fight. Same for us, Christians, you have to fight. Except we fight on our knees, you see, spiritually. And so we see this in verse 23. But the Lord your God will deliver them over to you and you will inflict defeat upon them. Or you will, how it translates is defeat or destruction or also uh, uh, vexation. You know, strong delusion of the last days. I mean, we'll, we'll, depending on the, the times that we're in and the, the sequence of the last days, we might study this a little bit more hardcore, a little bit more hardcore from an applicational perspective. But it's so powerful what the Lord does, and you will inflict defeat upon them until they are destroyed. You see, because remember, the Lord's going to do little by little. You will be unable to destroy them at once, but little by little, you see. It's so powerful. How the Lord works. The expectation for Israel to fight. The expectation for you and me to fight the good fight. Now, in order for that to happen, remember, Satan will fight tooth and nail to prevent that from happening. So what does he do? He sends the demon. He sends, if you had the demon come out, he sends, you know, seven more with that original demon. So eight more tougher demons. Seven more tougher demons, total of eight. You see? That's spiritual warfare. That's spiritual warfare, of which Paul taught Corinth in 2 Corinthians about spiritual warfare, of which the Galatian saints are losing the spiritual warfare. Why? Because they're being seduced to go back to the law, to salvation through the law and the works of the flesh. It's spiritual warfare. And they're losing the fight. And yet you have this warrior, Paul, one of several to go in and teach Galatians how to fight. You see, teach Galatians how to roll around on the mat, hand-to-hand combat. No, you guys are under deception. You guys bought the lie, hook, line, and sinker. You thought salvation could be achieved through the law. Do you not hear the law, he says to them? Because if righteousness could come through the law, then Jesus Christ died in vain. That's what he says. Remember our study from last week? Not last week, but the prior week to that? The end of chapter 2? 
That's spiritual warfare. Understand that Satan, you know, he's a dirty fight, cheap shots. He's a dirty, dirty fighter. Dirty, the dirtiest. And it's not just a fight to beat you up. It's a fight to kill you. To kill you. And drag you into the lake of fire with him. See, there's a lot of Christians, a lot of saints who don't see the spiritual fight in this aspect, in this perspective. And they do so to their own peril. Oh, I think, yeah, I'll just go ahead and do the works of the law. I'll do the feasts, the festivals. I think I'll do the Sabbaths. Do you not hear the law? It's a trap. You see? Oh, I think I'll do a little crack. No big deal. God is love. I think I'll do a little crack. I think I'm going to get addicted to meth. Do my pornography. Do this, the sex, the strippers, the gambling. No big deal. God is love. God is gracious. He's merciful. Absolutely. He's gracious and he's merciful. Absolutely. 100%. But he's also Lord. He's also just. You and me, we respond accordingly. Bowing to him. Not him bowing to us. That's satanic. That's what Satan wanted. He wanted to be exalted above God. It's not him that bows to us. I, ugh, it, I, don't, I don't even like saying that. That's demonic. That's satanic. That's what Lucifer wanted. We, we, we bow to him. You see? And so we see this in continuation. In verse 24, in closing, and he, speaking of the Lord, will deliver their kings into your hand. How beautiful is this? How powerful? Remember, this, this is the least of all people. Israel, this is the least of all people. Remember in verse 7, for you were the least of all people. And this is the least of all people. And it's this people as jewels. Jewel. As jewels, this peculiar treasure. Look at them before Egypt. What was formerly known as Pharaoh and God on earth. And you have this very few in number, very small, peculiar people. And they defeated Pharaoh? They defeated Egypt? And you could approach them in the wilderness. Be like, wow, you guys? You guys? I mean, you're like nomads in the wilderness. And you defeated Pharaoh? And for that generation could say, no, the Lord did. God did. What would that say to you? Say we're Gergesites. Say we're Hittites and Hivites. And we have our gods, we have our Moleks and Asterisks, we have our Baals and whatever way, shape, or form Satan wants to present himself. And Pharaoh, well, we acknowledge that Pharaoh, whoa, he is God on earth. Let me see this nomadic people through the wilderness. And we go up to them, probably confronted by their warriors because they don't know who, who are these people. We're, hey, we come in peace, we, don't, we mean you no harm, you know. Let me ask you a question. Who are you guys? Like, what in the world? I see, like, Egypt's like in a heap of smoke. It's like burning. It's like, it's nothing. Egypt used to be mighty, and now they're like little, they're nothing. 
You guys did that? They say, no, our God did. Our God did that. What would that immediately say to you and me? I mean, we have our bales, we have our asterisks, we have our, you know, molex. Whoa. Our molex couldn't do that. Our bales couldn't do that. Now we jump ship. I don't want to be a Hittite anymore. I don't want to be a Hivite anymore. You see? And provisions in the law, pre-promised land, provisions in the law for Israel to take, to say, take such people and now graft them into the camp. Gentiles who are now partakers in the camp of Israel. An Old Testament example of Gentiles being grafted into Israel through the promise of Abraham by the seed of Christ. Who could do such a thing? Who could do such a thing? Only God can. (laughs) Only God can. See how powerful that is? These, the least of all people. And in verse 24, and God, he, God, will deliver their, their kings into your hand. So what, what God did to Egypt, to Pharaoh, he's going to do it to all these other peoples. Victory. Now this is Israel after the flesh. Israel after the flesh. What about you and me according to the spirit? Oh, does that mean we go out and conquer? We're going to be like the new apostolic reformation. No, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Kingdom now, kingdom now, lie from the pit of hell. Our victory is spiritual. Our victories being spiritual, the more victories you have as you mature and you grow in Christ and Satan tries to tempt you with the sex and the drugs and the crack and that's not happening because you're mature. You're moving on to perfection and then he tries to use the Bible to get you to fall and you're not taking the bait and you're maturing, you're growing. You become dangerous and deadly. And yes, you're having victory after victory after victory spiritually. But you know what's going to happen? You're probably going to die in the flesh. Just like Peter, just like Paul, just like Stephen, you're probably going to die. You see? But never forget, beautiful in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints. Now, you could die naturally. Praise be to the Lord. But in these last days, it is prophesied that saints will be persecuted and power will be given to the Antichrist to prevail against the saints. A lot of death. And if you don't take the mark of the beast, your head will be chopped off. Beheading. See, that's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible teaches. You say, wait, I I thought I was supposed to have victory in Christ. Victorious in Christ. But major persecutions are prophesied. Major, major, major persecutions are prophesied. Wait wait a second. I was taught that I was supposed to be raptured out, pre-tribulation rapture. Listen to two studies. uh, Jacob's trouble. Jacob's trouble biblically explained. That's one. And then listen to another. uh, When is the rapture? Listen to those two studies and you'll understand. 
One of the biggest dangers in the church today is the pre-tribulation rapture theory. It is only a theory, but it's one of the biggest, biggest dangers in the church today. Because you have saints that are unprepared for the times. Now, biblical preparation, store your oil. You hear us say from time to time, store your oil. Because now is the time to store oil. Because the restrainer will be lifted one day. But you're going you're gonna to have plenty of oil because you've been storing your oil. So look what happens here. In verse 24, And he will deliver their kings into your hand, and you, shall you will destroy their name from under heaven. No one shall be able to stand against you until you have destroyed them. You see, Israel herself is becoming dangerous and deadly. Just like Paul. As he grows and matures in Christ, he becomes dangerous and deadly. What about you? As you grow and mature in Christ, do you go to the mat and take a nap? Do you go to the mat to play tiddlywinks? Or do you go to the mat to fight and learn how to fight, be trained and be equipped so that you can engage in hand-to-hand combat? You see? In verse 25, you shall burn the carved images of their gods with fire. You shall not covet the silver or, or gold that is on them. You see, it's, you know, don't have the eBay mentality. Oh, look, we could, we could put that gold to use. I'm, 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 I'm going to burn the asterisks. I'll, I'll burn the bales. I, I'll, I'll do that. I'll be obedient. But I'm going to keep the gold. I'm going to burn it, melt it so that, you know, that we'll get, melt the gold off and I'll burn the wood. But, Man, this gold, that can really be put to use. You see? No, don't covet. Don't covet the gold or silver that is on them. You see? Oh, but I can sell it on eBay. I can make all this money. I can pull profit from it. Didn't cost me anything. Look, I got this I got this free doohickey, this free widget. I got this free widget. Now I'm going to sell it on eBay and pull profit. You see? That's a, that's a wicked mentality. By faith. That's how we walk. Not by sight. Not by flesh. By faith. To close your eyes. I meant. Spiritually speaking. To put a blindfold on. Put a blindfold on. And walk in. Rush hour traffic. Freeway traffic. You say, wait a second, I'm going to take my blindfolds off so I can see. I'm in, I'm, in a, you know, I'm in a city and it's dangerous. I might cross the street and get hit by a bus. I might get hit by a truck. I might trip and fall and then get run over sideways. And then I'm you know, really up the creek without a paddle. But you say, wait a second, it's much better to be blindfolded in Christ. You know why? Because we walk by faith. Where he guides. Not by sight. I mean, we take off the blindfold. Okay, I think this would be better for me. I think this would be better for us. So, hmm, let me apply my intellect and let's go over here. I think this would be... No, blindfold. Spiritually speaking. Also, spiritually speaking, I mean, it's, it's like eyes wide open. It's better to be have those eyes wide open, but spiritual eyes blindfolded in the flesh. Not walking with carnal eyes. Walking with carnal eyes in the last days will kill you. 
but to walk according to the Spirit, not by sight. These are very, very baby steps that we're seeing with Israel in the Torah. You shall burn the images of their gods with fire. You shall not cover, covet the silver or gold that is on them. You see? Nor take it for yourselves, lest you become, lest you be ensnared by it. For it is an abomination to the Lord your God. You see? And that's what's so beautiful about studying the Old Testament and New Testament is that you learn what the Lord likes and what he dislikes. So that we can honor him and please him, not in accordance to the law, but understanding that the law is a tutor, a schoolmaster, you see, to bring us to Christ. Nor, in verse 26, shall you bring an abomination into your house. The house must be clean. Remember, we studied Leviticus, a little bit in numbers, more so in Leviticus. You see the, uh, the process of leprosy. When leprosy hits a person, but what about when leprosy comes into the home? You see, making the house clean. He says, lest you be doomed to destruction like it, you shall utterly, you shall utterly detest it and utterly abhor it, for it is an accursed thing. Now, I have to say this. Religion can't give you this. I mean, in verse 26, when he says, Nor shall you bring an abomination into your house, lest you be doomed to destruction like it. You shall utterly detest it and utterly abhor it. Now, this part, you shall utterly detest it and utterly abhor it. Religion can't get that to you. Religion cannot give you that. To utterly detest and utterly abhor something. Religion can't give you that. Because look, we're talking about gold here. I mean, the, the, the gold that was on these idols. There is worldly value to gold. Religion will say, okay, I have this gold, but there's a worldly use for this gold. So I don't know. I don't abhor it. I know the Bible says I should abhor it. And God says I should detest it. But man, I really like this gold. You see? Religion, religion doesn't get to the heart. Religion can absolutely touch the surface, absolutely touch the surface where you can throw gold in the garbage and with eye, with carnal eyes, everybody can see it and be like, wow, look, he really loves the Lord. Wow, look, she really loves the Lord. She's throwing away the gold. He's throwing away the gold. And wow, they really love the Lord. But in your heart, you might say, well, wait a second. I, I could sell that on eBay. I can pull some profit from that. I can do this with it. I can, I can do all these things with it. And you don't abhor the gold. You don't utterly detest the gold. Religion only touches the surface. It can never get to the heart. You know who gets to the heart? Jesus Christ. He gets to the heart. The Holy Spirit. He gets to the heart. The conviction of men. The conviction of women. The conviction of boy. The conviction of girl. The conviction of old person. He gets to the heart. And when you fall deeper and deeper and deeper in love with the Lord. In your love relationship. You and Him. 
just you and him, and you fall deeper in love with him, you know what's going to happen? You're going to start to detest the things that he detests. You see? You're going to detest the sex, the drugs, the alcohol, the occult. They're going to become detestable for you. They're, they become utterly abhorrent to you. Where under religion, that never happened. Because, oh, gold still has value. I mean, carnally speaking, gold has value. Carnally speaking, I meant there are aspects of sin that are that feel good to the flesh. You see? I meant like, you know, you see these commercials on TV, the beer parties, everybody's got a, a bottle of beer in their hand. They're, you know, everybody's laughing, having a good time, doing my air quotes, having a good time. But what you don't see, that you'll never see commercials of a guy with his face in the toilet. You'll never see a commercial advertising alcohol where you see, you know, a 35-year-old guy on his deathbed because he's dying of liver disease. You'll never see that. Satan doesn't show you that. Satan presents the, the feel good. Oh, yeah, look, check her out. Oh, wow, check him out. Look, try a little bit of this. Look, try a little bit of that. It's the finest version from Chiapas. Have a little bit of that. Have a little taste of this. You see? They're traps. And Satan doesn't present the, you know, here, you're going to die of liver disease. Try this. No, he doesn't say that. Hey, look, you're going to have meth mouth. You know, you're going to have, here, try this. You're going to have meth mouth. I mean, you know, all your teeth are going to fall out. You're going to have these holes in your skin. And you're going to look really disheveled. Not even disheveled. You're going to look really funky. Here, give it a shot. No, he doesn't present that to you. He presents the party to you. He presents the, doing my air quotes, the fun. That's what he does. You see? And to utterly detest and utterly abhor these things. You're like, well, wait a second. You know, like, I can hang out with my friends and we'll have a good time. I can do this. We'll have a good time. I can sell this on eBay and I'm going to pull profit. I can do this. I'm going to make money. Look, this holds value in the world. It's not, it, it doesn't become detestable because you're walking with carnal eyes. But in a love relationship with Jesus Christ, which cuts deep to the heart, to the soul, to the bone, to the marrow, you fall deeper and deeper and deeper in love with him. Finally, man, I want nothing to do with crack. I want nothing to do with pornography. I want nothing to do with the strippers, the gambling, the alcohol, the occult. I want nothing to do with the little white lies. No way. Oh, but these Christians, look, they say they're little white lies. That's nice. That's nice. I read my Bible and I want to be set apart. And if these people want to do that, look, that's between them and the Lord. But as for me in my house, as for me, I'm going to serve the Lord. And that's the mindset that we have. Set apart, consecrated unto the Lordship of Jesus Christ, Son of the Most High. Fulfillment of the law, seed of the promise. You see? Because religion. A lot of times what happens in churches today, people have a whole lot of religion and no relationship. You'll see men 
grown men. They got the big arms, the big hairy chest, and they look like men. They got the beards. They got the hairy faces. They're wow, this is a man. And he says, wow, you know what? I hate pornography. I hate strippers. It is detestable to me. I hate the pornography. It is detestable. It is abhorrent. And I hate the strippers. I hate the prostitutes. It is abhorrent to me. Then they're on their app when nobody's let that's in public. But when nobody's looking, they go to their apps, you know, their little, uh, they call them dating apps, but they're really sex apps. Oh, it's just a dating app. No, it's not. That's a sex app. They say, oh, you know, nearby, here's my profile, you know. Here's my profile, and I open this up, and it shows me another profile, and we can hook up here, we can connect here, and we're going to go meet at this motel, and, you know, do this, bada-bing, bada-boom, and that's not a man. That's a little boy. A little boy who doesn't know how to fight. Looks like a man, but now he's a loser. You see? Now he's a loser because now he took the bait and Satan's got him. Satan's got him now. Why? Because he was religious. Oh, the pornography, it's detestable to me. It's abhorrent to me. The sex, the prostitutes, you know, it's all abhorrent to me. Unbeknownst to the public, but the Lord knows. That guy's been the sex. The, he's doing everything. The prostitutes. And he's doing the sex apps. And all these things. And he's a disgusting creature. Because he had religion. But no relationship. You see? He looked like a warrior. But you gotta look inside. Is there the warrior mindset? Is there the warrior heart? No, that's the heart of a loser. You see, a loser. And the Lord changes hearts. And when you have a love relationship with Him, and you fall deeper and deeper and deeper in love with Him, and His ways, not our ways, in His ways, and He changes your heart and changes your mind. And you might have been a sex head, a crackhead, an alcoholic, whatever. And all of a sudden, it's like, man, this is detestable to me. Why? Because it's detestable to the Lord. And you're abiding in Christ and He in you. One. Oneness. You see? In preparation for your marriage to the bridegroom. Praise be to the Lord. We're going to end our study here and Lord willing, pick up in chapter 8 next week to the beautiful people of the way, a remnant of these last days. God bless you. I love you.